And hey, good morning. It's Ken Walls. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I have a really freaking awesome guy on the show today. I've got Chaz Wilson joining us today. I want to go ahead and bring Chaz on. Chaz, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Really appreciate you inviting me to be here. I'm super excited about this and uh, looking forward to talking with you. Well, you know, we, we just recently were um, introduced by um, Kathy introduced yes. us and and um, I, after I learned about you and I learned that uh, like you've got a couple of bestsellers best-selling books out there and and a lot of other things I've learned about you like dude you are the perfect candidate for being on this show <laughs> so um, you know look it's about having ha helping people have a breakthrough that that are stuck and or get stuck or don't know how to overcome things and and um you know i i truly believe we learn through hearing other people's stories how to overcome those things and and have a breakthrough yeah totally totally agree and i think throughout life it's it's constantly trying to i'm always like i some call it the breakthrough the ceiling the plateau whatever it is i'm always trying to get to that next breakthrough as fast as i can in fact my team will often say I feel the next one coming, right? When we, we feel like we're hitting that wall, I'm like, we, we got to break through it. And we race to that next one is kind of how we look at it. Instead of where early on, I think I looked at it as resistance. Uh, I'm constantly trying to get to that next one. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start with um, talking about where you were born and raised. Yeah, so I was born in Southern California and... Um, uh, you know, I have a great family. I was the oldest of four children. My my parents were amazing, uh, supported all of those great things. And, and uh, I remember uh, probably I was about 13 years old. My, my dad came home one day and said, we're moving to Minnesota. I mean, I was in Southern California. I feel like I don't know if it's the age I was in or what, but that was like the the my world was there. I didn't, really, you know, I didn't even think about other states, other places. We moved to Minnesota and um uh, I started high school in Minnesota, and what was interesting is I never forget moving there. My mom saying, "Yeah, I think we need to go get you a coat," and I'm like, "Nah, cause I don't even own one." Jeez. Right? <laughs> oh, so like, we need to go get you a coat, and I'm like, "Ah, I'm good." Oh and my god! And we lived like uh, maybe a mile from the school, and I remember it being about October. And it probably dropped to the 50s, maybe high 40s, low 50s. And I remember walking home thinking I was going to freeze to death. I was going to die. Like, it was so cold. <laughs> and so, so I had no idea what was in store for me. And it was actually, um, you know, I think a few weeks later into November and soon into December where, you know, it dropped below zero. And I thought I, I didn't even – I couldn't even – my brain at 13, 14 years old had no comprehension that those temperatures even existed. And – Wow. So of course, we quickly got me some some gear to support that. But, so, uh, so, so you got a coat. <laughs> man, as fast as I could at that point. <laughs> now, how long did you stay in Minnesota? Is that where you like graduated high school and stuff? Yeah, high school, and uh, I uh, spent some time there. I, I uh, that's where I met my wife. She's born and raised in Minnesota, and um, so yeah, I lived in Minnesota up until three years ago. We re relocated here to Dallas. So oh. now I'm in Dallas, Texas. So, so you were, hold it, you were in, um, so you've been in Minnesota like most of your, 
life. Well, I mean, yeah, for a good yeah, portion. Most my, yeah, most of my life I was in Minnesota and, um, you know, loved it there, really loved it there. Um, all of all, I have five children. They were all born there, and, and we loved it in, in Minnesota, but it was just time to expand our companies in a more of a major uh, populated central of the country area. Yeah. So three years ago, almost three years ago to the date, it was August 1st, three years ago, we, we rolled in with our moving van into Dallas. Wow. Now, you know, so in Minnesota, you went to went to school up there. What if if I could ask what in the world possessed your parents to like leave Southern California besides the taxes? But what what? Yeah. So my my dad is a, a highly trained um speaker and consultant and had business and, and he was flying and went out to visit this company and they ended up making him a job offer. He was there to do some work with them and he, they ended up giving him a job offer. Uh, we know one of those that you just couldn't refuse. He kept saying no kind of thing and, and they made it worth his while. So, um, you know, I, I think that's an important thing for people to learn. I think it was a good lesson for me is, is to be open to receiving opportunities. And I think that's where my parents were really good at um, teaching me that is that the opportunity came in front of them. And, you know, while he know he knew it would disrupt our life for a moment, we would, we would be all right. But, yeah. um, you know, said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. It's for the best of our family. It was, it was a great move for us. So, so I'm always appreciative of them willing to take those chances and those risks, um, you know, to give us a better opportunity as kids as well. Well, and it, it, it teaches you as a kid that risk is okay. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Well, risk is okay. And I think it teaches us a lot of those skills that we then take forward, which, you know, like the simplest skill of learning how to make new friends and meet new people. And, and, um, you know, those were things I learned because not only did we move to Minnesota, but we moved twice in a year when we moved to Minnesota because my parents oh. moved there and they decided to build a home. And so we were in one area with um you know six of us in an apartment while a home was being built and then that i moved schools again so basically my freshman sophomore year i moved both both years so that was tough but it again it was hard because it was hard to make new friends right you going right and um but what a great skill that's been for me to learn well and i i it uh i mean we'll get into it but you have um you've you've kind of perfected that skill <laughs> like You've, yeah. you've, you've made it your business. <laughs> so. Absolutely. So it's, it's yeah. been a, actually been something I, you know, it's interesting. And you talk about breakthroughs at this, this point of it, but it was really the struggle of my life that became what I've mastered and now built businesses on. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And we're going to definitely get into that, but let's, let's talk about when you graduated high school, did you go, did you end up going to college? So I went one year of college uh, to play football, and, and it's funny that like that was where I thought I was going to go, right? It's just down this path of athletics and sports, and um, it just didn't go as planned. And uh, I got injured uh, really quickly. Um, we, we right away we're doing the 40, uh, 40 yard dash, you know, for time for yeah. sprinting, and um, and uh, the so it's like the first or second day, and and I just tore my hamstring running that and uh, never really recovered from that in, in football. And then um, I, the blessing of that is I went to a school that I felt I could have played at a higher level. It was a community college. They were highly ranked uh, junior college, but I felt I, I had that like chip on my shoulder. Like, why am I at the school? I like the school. I like the area, but it was in Minnesota as well. Yeah. 
but that's where I met my wife. So, you know, things all worked out the way they're supposed to, I, I feel. So, uh, but football didn't work for me. Um, I actually did not finish school. I met my wife. I ended up spending some time uh, doing some service work, uh, spent some time on an Indian reservation uh, wow. doing some service work. And uh, during that time, you know, and then the relationship built with, with now my wife and we ended up getting married. So she was real clear on what she wanted to do. She's a nurse. Uh, has been a nurse for almost 20 years and I had no clue what I wanted to do. So we're like, all right, let's put you through school and I'll try to figure out this thing called entrepreneurialism. And, and, uh, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how we got our start. And, and you're still trying to figure it out, right? <laughs> like, what's that? Every single day. Right. So, yeah. so you, 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 um, gosh, I'm, so many people that are successful in business, didn't finish college, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that you look like, first off, you look like you should be like a quarterback in the NFL and you have the name for it, man. I mean, yeah. So I played quarterback. That's funny. You bring that up. I played quarterback. I knew, I knew that somehow. (laughs) Yeah, actually, you know, this is an interesting thing that uh, I often share with people more in like one-on-one settings than, than say, um, you know, like giving a keynote speech, I don't really tie it in this way, but when this is an interesting thing about work ethic and understanding the role of being a quarterback, my high school football coach, when we moved that second time in Minnesota, my high school football coach lived four houses away from me. That was a blessing and a curse in some ways. <laughs> yeah. He could always keep an eye on me and knew what I was doing, but uh. I was outside throwing a football with one of my friends and he walked up the street and um, he said, Hey, I'm the football coach. I was a sophomore in high school uh, that year, and and he said, you know, you should come out and play football. And I was going into being a junior the next year. And so it's a little bit of a late start, right? And he said, you should come play football. What do you want to do? What do you want to play? And like every kid, you know, I'm like, I want to play quarterback. Yeah. And I threw the ball ball left-handed, and uh, but I'm ambidextrous. And so he said, uh, listen, if you want to play quarterback, our offense is built for a right-handed quarterback. And I think he said that because he already had a quarterback or two. He just like, I don't, I don't need another quarterback. So he said, you know, it's built for a right-handed quarterback. And I said, great. And we start talking. He said, you know, you got to come out for tryouts and and two days and all that in a couple weeks. And so for the next couple weeks, I taught myself how to throw a football right-handed. What? Yeah. And so I, uh, I ended up showing up and I played as a, I played as a free safety on defense and I was the backup quarterback and I was still like, I'd have to look, I don't remember exactly, but I was probably sixth or seventh in the conference in passing yards as a backup. And I learned to throw right-handed. Wow, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so I that's... can still say, uh, throw with both arms. <laughs> wow. My, my wife is left-handed. My oldest daughter, who's not her daughter, it's from a previous learning experience. Um, but she's left-handed I, and I, I don't know any, any, you're the only person I think I know that's ambidextrous. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Later in life, a couple of years back, I, I coached high school football with some friends and, uh, the first, the first day of practice, it's always fun to play with these high school kids and I would bet up money or whatever it, you know, I take the quarterback and I'd say, all right, um, you know, can you throw it through the uprights from the 30? And they're like, yeah, I can do it. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll do it left-handed. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I always, <laughs> it was just kind of a fun thing with the high school kids to, you know, just kind of still let them know you got it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, 
So, so college, community college, you didn't, you didn't really dig that um, no. at all. Um, I never dig school at all. I hated school myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know why. I just did. I, I love learning and reading, and st I, I just like it, it's when it's, I think it's when somebody tests me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I hated yeah. it. But yeah. but the um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial people are um, have this opposition to. Um, being told what to do, <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think for sure. And for me, it was always the question of why. So I'd get an assignment and I'd be like, why? And of course, <laughs> teachers don't really like that. They um, hate it. They hate it. I always needed to understand why we were trying to learn what we were learning. Like, what was the purpose of learning this? You know, and that was really a struggle for me in math. Like, <laughs> when am I ever going to use this and why do I need to know it? Right. And, I just, I just had a, such a hard time with that. I also learn differently, and I'm a very hands-on learner, and, and that yeah. just didn't, didn't do well for me in school. I could always do well enough to get by, yeah. but never to really excel at grades or anything like that. Right, right. Well, I, I can totally relate to that. So, so with the, um, so you got, out, you, you decided to, to leave college. Is that when you became an entrepreneur? So the truth of the matter is, I actually became an entrepreneur in high school. And, uh, oh. so, uh, I had a friend, um, that she had her parents and her family owned a, uh, hat company. They still own this company that does hats, they, yeah. they college hats. And I went out and helped them in their factory a couple times. And, and the, the, one of the partners, uh, was a friend of mine, his dad. And so I, I said, you know, listen, I, I love these hats and I, I'm kind of the first to see these new hats in their factory. And, He's like, yeah, if you want one, they're $5 a piece. And and uh, I would wear them to school or wherever I was at, and friends would all be like, oh, man, that's awesome. I want I want one of those. So I'd go back to him, and, and so he just said, look, here's the deal. If you if you want some hats, you can buy them for $5. That's our that's our wholesale kind of cost to it. Right. And he said, you can sell them to your buddies for whatever you want. You just can't sell them for more than $20. I think it was 20 bucks because yeah. that's they have a deal with the stores, right? So um, – I, I would go buy a box of these hats and then I would have them hooked in my locker and I'd go to my locker, I'd open it up and they'd be hooked in there or they'd be in my trunk of my car. Man, I was selling hats uh, out of my locker in my car in high school. And it was the first time I learned margins. I learned that I could sell it, you know, for, for 18 bucks or 15 bucks. They'd still get a deal. They'd buy two and I was making $10 a hat and back, you know, 25, 30, <laughs> like, you know, my goodness, man, that was, that yeah. was, when gas was 80 cents a gallon, it was like, man, I just, I just made 10 bucks. <laughs> and uh, it was all cool until the high school, you know, they found out and, and, uh, then I think they just wanted a piece of it. You know, they're like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, right. so the that's really where I got the entrepreneurial, I think idea that man, it's limitless, right? It's infinite. I could grow this to whatever I want it to be. And, um, you know, just, just went with it from there. So, so, you know, and, and I don't want to fast forward too far, but you, you know, I think you've been an entrepreneur for, I mean, most of your adult life, it sounds yeah. like, yeah. um, have, have you had anything flop? For sure. Have, Lots. You? <laughs> yeah. have you? Yeah. I mean, uh, but here, here's the thing for me is that I, I, what I'm really grateful for, number one, is I try to look 
you know, the gratitude of, of the blessings that I have in my life. And I think one of the things is a high for the most, most of my life is a high level of self-awareness. And so as difficult as it was to go through times where I had partners that stole from me and just different things like that, it was always a high level of awareness to say, okay, what do I need to learn while I'm going through this? So in the next thing I do or the next phase of business, um, I can take that lesson with me. I haven't always been able to, it's sometimes it's been looking back and learning those lessons, but I've always tried to, while I'm going through it, um, learn the lesson. Um, and so, yeah, I had real estate companies and real estate business and mortgage and title. And, and you know, that there was just some rough stuff that happened there of, like I said, partners not behaving and me being immature and, and in business and, and just learning a lot of hard lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, again, that's what this is, this show's about is, you know, there's, there's nobody, I mean, I've had some amazing people on this show and I haven't had one person say, oh yeah, it's been easy from the get go. <laughs> like, it's just not real. No. And in fact, if it's, to me, the lessons I've learned during those phases where it was tough yeah, is what's helped me get where I am today. Right, right. So, so you, you know, fast forward, I guess, to where you where you are um, now. What what's what's your business? Talk a little bit about what your business is and what you do and what got you into it. So, our parent company, the the main driver of the engine, if you will, is called Master Networks. I yeah. wear the time. Master Networks. We're a business networking organization. We build networking groups across the country. Um, and our focus is twofold. Our focus is building relationships and business education. There's lots of referral leads groups out there. Now, we pass referrals. We send referrals to the networks that we build, and we track it. But that is not the front-end focus. To me, that's a byproduct of building strong relationships and then enhancing that with business education, that the referrals come as a byproduct. When you lead with the transactional relationship of referrals, then the, the relationships are transactional. That's all they're good for. But when you lead with relationships, you know, then things can happen at a really high and deep level. Yeah. And, and that's our focus. Right. And yeah. uh, so that's the parent company. We have a lot of other things. We have a, we have a um, publishing company. I've written, like I said, I've written a couple books. So I've got, you know, I published and now I help other authors publish their books. We have a uh, contact management system CRM for for small business entrepreneurs. We have a speaking company, a coaching company. We have we have a lot of stuff going right now. So um, that's really the crux. And you know, there's lots of people who have multiple businesses. And my rule is the three foot rule is what I call it. They, it needs to be within three feet of what I'm doing at all times, so I can kind of touch each business. Right. And um, so we have multiple businesses, and um, you know, we're, we're, we're influencing in 20 plus States and it's, it's, we're having a blast at it. That's incredible, man. But I, I, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, kind of back up a little bit on that because I, I think that I see, and I'm sure you see a lot of younger entrepreneurs that are just getting started, try to try to get into, um, multiple businesses at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it was Confucius that said, if you chase two rabbits, you'll catch none. But, yeah. you know, so I, I want want you to kind of address that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I think was we've moved from one business to the next. It's getting things in place and systems and leverage and people 
and then moving to the next. I, I see it a lot too. I see, you know, it's like this massive confusion of, uh, it's like chasing every shiny object and, and where it became clear for me actually, and, and it was really interesting. I got the opportunity to have a hall of fame receiver, Tim Brown, uh, at one of our events and I got to interview him and talk with him. And he told me about, uh, if I get this story wrong, uh, but I think it was, I think it was Emmett Smith that they were on the field together. And I think it was Emmett's last game or it was Tim's last game. He's retiring and they met in the middle of the field. And I think Emmett said to him, uh, you know, Tim, I hear you're retiring and yeah, I don't know. I think I got one more year. And, and he said to Emmett, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And, and, you know, cause he kept saying, Tim, you got, you got more in your, in the tank kind of thing. And he said, yeah, but just because I can, doesn't mean I should, it's, it's time for me to, to be done. And I think sometimes we have as entrepreneurs, this, this, this feeling of like, I can do anything yeah. and just because you can, doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. So, so I think for an entrepreneur young in the business learning right now is be patient and master something master something like uh, this is the thing that always gets me is I've got, I'll go do a speaking engagement and a young entrepreneur will come up or even, you know, maybe not young per se, but they'll come up and say, how do I get to do that? How do I get on stage? I want to get on stage and I want to start speaking. And my first couple of questions are number one, why? And number two, what have you done that's worthy of somebody listening to you? Right. Right. So go accomplish something. And then the speaking engagements come. Yeah. Go accomplish something. Yep. Man, I, I love that. And and that's something else you see a lot. I mean, I, you probably see it more than me, but you see a lot of people wanting to do that that, like, haven't accomplished anything. And, and again, we could probably tell war stories about, you know, I, I, you know I've interviewed some, some kids in college still that are like, dude, your expectations of getting a job are ridiculous. Like... You know, but I don't, I don't, I didn't go to college, not one day. So I, I, I don't know what they're teaching in regards to that. But, but, you know, as you well know, it, it just, it takes like, you mentioned processes and, you know, my wife was the global VP of marketing for a couple of different $500 million a year companies. And so she's a process, I'm, I'm more like a fire ready aim kind of guy, right? Right, right. Which I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. Um, my wife is more like a let's plan it for the next six years, and and you know I'm like six, you know it's just so so processes though in a business. I was I was talking to somebody the I think it was somebody on the show that said you know I I, I thought I needed a business plan I had to have all the I's dotted and T's crossed and all of that and. And like that, that's that. Do you think that's real to like have? Because I, I don't. I've never, ha- I've never had a business plan ever. It's always like just go in, let's get started. Because the very first thing we need is sales. Like we yep. got, we got to have sales. Right yeah. Now. So all of that's true. But I do have business plans. Uh, and in fact, in my in my first book, Five Plus One, which is the five business disciplines and the one master skill that I think is a formula for success for business owners. That's what we've done to duplicate every business. Right. We, we call it the one page business plan, but here's the key in my mind is most people create a business plan and think it that, that they're like, there's a rubber stamp. It's done. Right. These plans are living documents. They never are complete because 
And in fact, we, we created one that's a big whiteboard that's, I don't know, it's like four feet by, by three feet that's out there that, you know, you can dry erase on so that that thing is constantly changing. But I do think you have to have a plan. I think you, yes. um, otherwise you're that sort of wandering generality. You've got to just be focused on the, the top things that matter. And like you yep. said, now sales is one of the things that's one of the top three priorities we have. Um, it's actually the first priority, but it's one of our top three priorities because if you don't grow your top line, you have no bottom line. It just doesn't happen. So yep. that's one of the things that took me way too long. I wish I could go back and have been way more focused um, on that. I wish I would have been way more focused on the top line, you know, focused on sales right from the beginning. Yeah. And, and it, it is important. And I agree with you about the having a plan. I'm, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people think they have to have this perfect plan before yeah. they, before they ever, you know, get started. And, and what I've found is, is, you know, uh, what's the, uh, is it General um, uh, MacArthur that said a, a violently executed plan today, is, or I forget the quote, exact quote, but, you well, know. I, I love uh, uh, Seth Godin, who's master marketer. I mean, you know, he's got how many, seven, eight master books that are yeah. just, one of his comments is just ship it. Like, <laughs> you've got a product. Well, but it's not right, and we don't have this, you know, just ship it. I mean, you look at phones, right? Yeah. They buy a brand-new phone, and, and three months in, they're pushing updates to it. It's never perfect. Right. So yeah. just ship it to the market, and the marketplace will tell you if it's not right. You know, get a product. I love, you know, I work with people, you do too, who are creating training programs or, or, or services, and they're like, well, I need to still make this tweak. It's like put it out to the marketplace today because you could spend all this time making tweaks that the marketplace is going to tell you isn't right anyway. Amen. Get it out there. Get it out there. Let them tell you. Get the feedback from them. Dude, that's that. There's nothing. I, I, that's so true. The market will tell you what's wrong. Yeah, I love when I I built. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you three or four really uh, stories where we put marketing pieces out where uh, there was a misspelling or. <laughs> or uh, or we had one a couple of years ago. I loved it. We sent a blast email out with some new offer that we had. And in the email, you know how you can like code, like to put the client's first name in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, the person that I was working with on my team that did it, um, I think they put like an extra space or something. So it actually put the code and it said code first name, right? It didn't actually put the person's name in. <laughs> we blasted out, you know, 20,000 of these. But oh, the cool part is we turned it and we said, well, hey, we did that on purpose so we could see who's watching and reading our emails. So now that we have your attention, are you interested in this offer, right? And so yeah. there's always ways to turn it around. But some people would be devastated by that. Oh, my gosh, we sent out this email and it had the wrong name in it. And, like, just just get past that. You got to let it go, man. Move on. So, yeah. so um, you know, I know that you do some, you know, a lot of coaching and you, you work yeah. with a lot of people. Um, you know, along, along the, the way here, what I, and, and I'm, this is a difficult question because I, I'm not sure that there's a, a blanket answer, but in your opinion, what is the number one thing that you see in, in entrepreneurs and just people, whether they're, they're in business or not? That are that are holding them back from success and happiness in life or business. 
Yeah, so you're right. There's probably not a blanket answer because everyone's different. But here's what I would say. I actually think there's two things. So maybe I can expand that question a little bit to sure. two things. One is I think it all starts with our mindset and our thoughts. Um, and I don't think I think it was um, I think it was Tony Robbins I was recently listening to. He said I'm not really into emotional intelligence. I'm I'm into emotional fitness. He said you know you don't ask somebody what their physical intelligence is. You want to know what their physical fitness is. Right. So it's that mindset of saying, what am I doing every day to work on my emotional, my mental toughness and fitness so that as these things come up, I can break through. Um, so that I think is is probably where it all starts. I actually talk about that really heavily in my, my book, Now Make Good, and I probably want to share with you a little bit about where that breakthrough came for me and that, that phrase. But yeah. um, the second that I think is building relationships, and I can dive into that a little bit too. But I think it's mindset and building relationships are what hold hold people back. So it's the the thinking and then the skill of building relationships. So talk talk a little bit more about that. What you you referenced your book, and I have both your books laying right here. So talk a little bit more about what you were saying. So going back a number of years, when I did some service work on the Indian Reservation and some of the other areas, I I, I had. Um, this is where the mental piece comes for me. What where I started to gain that awareness of mental and emotional fitness that I had to I had to get strong with those things. Is I was away from home. Um, I'm 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 in this. Area. I mean, look, I'm as pale white with red hair. I stand out <laughs> on, on an Indian reservation, right? So uh, there there were there were people and guys there that were just brutally tough on me, and and that's okay. It just was what it was, and I, you know I'm homesick and. All that kind of stuff. And so the, the leader of the, the service uh, mission we were on, he said, I went to him and I said, here's the deal. Um, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm tapping out on this. It just doesn't make sense. And, and I fully expected that he would be, you know, sympathetic to that. He would hear my concern. And and so he's a he was a tall man, six, three, six, four, um, uh probably near 300 pounds, size 15 shoes, big, big physically, you know, intimidating man. Wow. And I, I sat across this desk from him and, and he looked me in the eyes and he said, I, I'm just going to tell you one thing and, and I want you to burn this in your heart and in your mind for the rest of your life. And I don't know what it was about that phrase that I have never forgotten. It was sort of like him saying, this is so important. You better put this in your heart and in your mind. And he said this phrase to me, he said, you hired up for a tough guy now make good. I wasn't even sure exactly that time. Like, what does that mean? You hired up, <laughs> now make good. And what he said was, look, you agreed to be here. You volunteered to be here. No one made you come here. Now make good. You made a commitment. Make good on it. And so that phrase, now make good, yeah. was the catalyst for me. In fact, I, I wear a bracelet. My kids wear them. I got other people, like hundreds of people around, probably thousands around the country that wear them that said, now make good. And it's just that reminder that when you commit to something, mentally, emotionally, or someone, make good on it. And that's been the driver for me mentally, emotionally, every single time something's been tough. You know, it's 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 that looking down and going, man, I got to make good on this. I, I made a commitment to it. Wow. And so that's where the mental piece for me really started was that. And that, you know, that's been 20 plus years ago. And what's cool for me, just as I tie that all together, is last year when I released this book, um, I hadn't seen him for 20 plus years. And at the release of this book, I went out and saw him and gave him one of the first copies of the book. And, you know, he's in his uh, early eighties right now. 
And, uh, you know, it was just a touching moment for both of us to realize. Dude, I just got chills. Sorry. But wow. Just think about the impact of one phrase and the number of lives that that's touched as it, you know, as I've impacted that out. So it's been a powerful thing for me. Wow. That's that. That just I'm serious. That just gave me chills. I felt them right there. I'm like, wow. So so what was his reaction when you showed up with the book? Oh, I mean, he's tearful and, you know, just grateful that. You know, first of all, he's grateful for how it impacted me and, and the life that that's helped me lead. And then how many people I've been able to touch by that same phrase and really, you know, push them to higher levels and breakthroughs. Uh, as and look, it's time to make good on what you committed to. And, and, you know, there's people counting on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't do any of this by yourself. There's people counting on you. You know, I walk in the door and I've got my wife and five kids counting on me. I've got employees here and their families counting on me. Yeah. Uh, I got to make good on the things I've committed to doing. Dude, that is so powerful. Holy moly, that's powerful. What what in the world like what how did you how did you end up on an Indian reservation? I I am not I, I'm I'm missing something there. Yeah, so um so I, I committed some time to doing a a service mission for my church and Oh, okay. You know, so they, they sent us out there and, and, you know, we helped with schools and, and, um, God, we helped. It's, it's ironic. I was so terrible in school and here we helped <laughs> clean them up and we helped teach and we helped all this stuff that was so hard for me. Uh, it actually was easier when I was helping other people, right? And so we would help them fix their homes on the reservations. We just lots of stuff like that that we did. And, and, um, you know, it just became, it was kind of that moment for me. And I'd heard this phrase early on that I, I need to give to the world before I take from it. Yeah. So I felt there was some time in my life where I needed to give before I take. And, um, you know, that's that's where it started for me. I, I mean, that's that's so powerful, man. I, I now now I'm, I got to read. Your, I am stacked up on books like I I, I I mean, it's crazy. Like I'm trying to read. And then, you know, it's like, well, I want to read this one and this one. So you end up trying to read four of them at the same time. That doesn't work. So. I, I, I'm looking forward to reading your books, though. I, I really am. And I'm looking forward to figuring out how I get some of those bracelets. <laughs> yeah, we'll get them out to you, and we'll, we'll get them out. I mean, yeah, uh, awesome. I get them out with my books. So yeah. so, so, um, so here, like, wow. So you are... I'm trying to remember where we are on the timeline here. So you're 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 now in this business. You've got this business rocking and rolling. You moved to Dallas. You said three years ago. Yeah, three okay. years ago. And and you're only like what? You look like you're about thirty-two. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I just turned forty this year, a couple months ago. Good gosh, that that's insane, man. I can't believe that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Turned forty. You, you're, you're looking pretty youthful for 40. Thank you. So, well, so um, you're in Dallas now. You decided Minnesota wasn't the place to build your, your business um, on the scale you wanted to do. So you're in Dallas, and Dallas is an amazing city. Yeah, yeah. Amazing city. So maybe I can share with you how we got here because I think this is a breakthrough for me yeah. that somebody listening might have is that, um, you know, when you hit a ceiling or a wall, um, I, I actually talk about this in my book, Now Make Good, um, where five plus one is more tactical of business, where Now Make Good is more the emotional and the mental. And, yeah. But I, I talked about this, that I was working hard 
to grow my businesses, Master Networks and my others. And I was coming to Dallas to do speaking engagements, and it was our largest region of our fastest growing region of Master Networks at the time. And and I, I had this awareness that I needed to move the organization to an area like Dallas if I wanted to grow it where, where I needed to get it. But keep in mind, those conversations started happening in my head. Well, listen, my wife's born and raised, always lived in Minnesota. Her family's there. My family's there. You know, so my kids' grandparents are there. Yeah. Oh, man, no one's going to want to move. I've got employees there that are great that I want to keep on my team. And those are the conversations I had. So what I did is I, I, I planned another uh, speaking engagement in Dallas, and I asked my wife to come with me. And so she came with me and we met some people here and just had a great time. And, and I said, Hey, we've got about six hours before we fly out. Um, let's go drive some neighborhoods. And we started talking about it on that time. And I have to give my wife all the credit in the world because, uh, you know, my parents at a young age always believed in me and my wife has always believed in me, even in the worst moments of people stealing from me, you know, when it would be so easy to blame me, she's always been like, how do we, where do we go from here and how do we fix it? And so wow. I said, to her, That's listen, awesome. yeah, it's been a great blessing for me as an entrepreneur. I think every entrepreneur, I, I would hope they have that. And they don't always, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Um, but for me, I said, I, I'm thinking of moving and relocating the, the company here. And I, and so we talked about as we got on the plane, and I kid you not, her words were, let's do it. It was never like, I mean, I thought I was going to, that was going to be my hardest sale next to ask <laughs> to marry me, but um she just said, let's do it. And so then a few months later, we brought the whole team and their families down to Texas. And I said, listen, I want you to be on our team. And, and I know it's a big ask to relocate. So let's bring your team, your family down and let's you guys drive neighborhoods, find places, just figure out if it's something your family wants to do. And and two of our three employees at that time moved with us and they're still with us today. Wow. So, um, you know, now we have 11, 12 employees here. Um that's today. Awesome. But, uh, you know, often I think we, we feel stuck and we feel like we can't go anywhere and we can't do anything. And I, I'm just telling you, sometimes you got to get up and I don't necessarily mean move your family or move, but sometimes you just got to get into activity and move. And for me, I felt like we had to pick up our company and move it to a new location to expand it and grow. And it's been one of the best business decisions we've ever made. And personally, it's been great for our family. Tons of opportunities. That's awesome, man. And you don't really see snow, do you? No, I think we had a dusting of snow one time in the three years we've been here. So, meanwhile, I'm up here in Ohio, and and I, I, I like this past winter. I was like, it's our first winter back from living in Vegas, and I'm like, is this winter really ever? Is it going to end? <laughs> like, the longest winter I had in Minnesota was the one right before I knew we were already moving. We'd already made that commitment. And that winter, it was like, because I knew this is the last time I'm going to have to shovel. This is the last time I'm going to have to shovel. This is the last time. I'm gonna... So every <laughs> snowfall was like the worst. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it can it yeah. can get bad. But yeah. um, and, and look, after living in the desert for 13 months, I, I was um, I, I welcomed seeing some snow and, and cooler temperatures. So. Um, but you know, like, like you, so when you're, let's, let me, let me paint a, and I try to ask everybody this on the show. If yeah. somebody shows up in your life, that's a stranger, right? Cause I, we got, we got to remove the, the human emotion part. Stranger yeah. shows up, 
says and 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 they get to you and you give them some time and they say man i'm i'm just busted i'm broke i i i i you know i can't figure it out i'm stuck i my electric's getting shut off tomorrow my car was repoed i'm not like things are just going bad and i'm i i, I but i have this you know something there what are you going to say to them man to help them break through to push through it so Ken, this is what really excites me. So let me let me maybe break this into two parts because you're, you're like right in my wheelhouse on this right now. Okay. So first of all, it's the relationships. It isn't. It's meeting this stranger, as you said. And I blame my parents. I blame all of our parents because we're all told as little kids, don't talk to strangers. Right, right. Right. So then we're all conditioned not to talk to people. And the key of everything is talking to people. Yes. Everything in my life of any significance that I have is because of a relationship. My five children because of my significant other, uh, my wife, my business partners are those relationships that have opened up doors for me. It's relationships that are everything. Think about in your life and anyone listening. I, I know we got people on here from all across the country. I've got people in uh, Missouri and Minnesota and Florida watching this yeah. that I've now come into relationship with because of Master Networks and because of this opportunity. So the first thing that I would say to that person coming to me is, not what do you need to do to change it, but who do you need to meet that could change everything for you? Because I think you're just that one relationship away from changing everything in your life. You're not one marketing tactic. You're not one Facebook ad. You're not one cold call necessarily away. You're one relationship away from changing everything. Yep. Um, for me, that was a mentor that came into my life that changed and opened up my vision to any. I was working hard every day. So I would say to this person, it's not necessarily – Potentially, and I don't know exactly their circumstance, but it's probably not what they're doing or not doing. It's the people they need to get around and get in their world that could change everything. The second thing I would say is, is like, look, I've been there. Uh, seven years ago, I was in a meeting with with this person, my mentor, and my my phone was going off, and I kept looking down, and it's my wife calling. Now she knows I'm in this meeting with a person I idolize. I, I I wanted to get this opportunity to meet face to face. Right. And I have this meeting and she's calling me and I'm like, this has to be an emergency because she's calling me. So if you can imagine, I'm sitting in my office. I, with this mentor, this person I admire, where our office is such a rundown piece of garbage. That's all we could afford. We didn't have blinds on the windows. So it's summertime and the heat, the sun's glaring through and we're moving chairs throughout oh. the day. <laughs> so the, the sun is off. <laughs> Right, so bad. And my phone's going off, and I finally just excused myself, and I went out and said, "Hun, what's going on?" And she said, "I'm at the grocery store, and at this time, our youngest two are twins, and we also had a three-year-old. So we had five kids in seven years. Wow, wow, yeah, it was tough. And so we've got twins that are in diapers, and a three-year-old who's refusing to be potty trained, so he's still in diapers." She's at the grocery store, the food's on the counter getting scanned, and she's like, the card is not working. Uh, so it's that gut in my stomach, like just so embarrassed for her. I can hear it in her voice. She's not blaming me. She's not anything. She's just like, here's where we are. And I said, hang on a second. Let me check what's going on. So I'm, of course, go back in. I'm on my phone. I'm looking really quick. And I never forget looking at my bank account, and it had $27 in the account. $27 in the account. And I called her back and I said, listen, we have $27 in our bank account. I need you to get whatever is the most important thing we can get for our five kids 
for $27 and I'll figure it out the rest of the day. And, and here again, in the room, I got my mentor that's laying out a business opportunity plan for me, right? That's helping me coach me on my business. And then I'm on the phone outside with my wife and we have $27 in our account. And later that day, I remember when I had a moment to myself, this thought came through, of course, now make good. But the awareness that I was in that position because of me. Yep. I could say my business partners stole money, which they did. I could say other things, but I allowed it because I allowed them to be my partner. In fact, I invited them to be my partners. Right. I had to take the ownership and the accountability that we were in that spot because of me. So this person, my advice to them, if they were coming to me is to say, first of all, where you are today is your fault. Just is. Yeah. There's the good news. Because it's your fault, you can fix it. You have everything within your power to go meet new people, to, to change your path and fix it. And it was that day, that moment when I decided to change everything for me. And I'm seven years later, my wife's building her dream house. We have 30 plus companies. It's changed like that because I changed where I was going with it. I took ownership of the fact that we had $27 and that was never going to happen again. I told my wife, you may not see me a lot, but listen, I'm going to go out and fix this. This is never going to happen again. <clears throat> wow, dude. I, 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 I honestly almost teared up because I've been there. I've been exactly there. I've been in worse than that. Like yeah. the card doesn't work because it's overdrawn and that's the only one that we have. So, yeah, right. Like, you know, it's like, um, hopefully you got enough gas to get home because it's not, you know, and I've been there, man. And, and, and yeah. people need to understand that this, this, this journey, I don't, I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or you're just working a job and, and, you know, it's not easy. No, it takes commitment. It takes commitment. It takes work ethic. But I, I just think that mental and emotional fitness and the awareness to say, look, if I'm not where I'm at, where I want to be, I'm the only one to blame. And that's not a negative thing. That's just an ownership thing. It's just saying, look, I'm here because of the things I've done, good or bad. Right. Now, I want to change this. I need, and I talked about this in an event we had uh, this April, the law of proximity. I had to change the location. That's why I talked about moving. I had to talk, uh, change the location of the people I surrounded myself with. Yeah. Uh, and and it, the moment I did that, I mean, like the instant moment I did that, the trajectory of everything I was doing changed immediately. Yeah. And so I would just say, you know, you hear these things and people say, well, what do I do? And, and I always say, you make a list of the people. You may not know them today. You make a list of these people and you start to try to get into their world. I just did this again. I, I have a coaching group. We talked about this and I redid my list. You can see kind of over my shoulders, there's white sheets of paper there on my door. And I list yeah. out people. I call it my top 100. I list out people that I don't know. Maybe it's authors I've read that I want to get into their circle in some way and not to do business with them necessarily, but to be surrounded by their influence. I kid you not, it's number uh, number eight on my list over here of speakers. I listed this lady's name because I read her book. Uh, my COO invites me to an entrepreneurial summit conference. We go to it. Day one, I'm looking through the agenda. The last keynote speaker on day two is that person's name right there. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, <laughs> I, this. I teach it all the time. It happens all the time in my life. And every time I'm surprised, like as if. I know. Never so day two, we go there. She's in the back of the room. Uh, 
and nobody's around her, like no speakers, no put, nobody from the summit, nothing. She's just standing there by herself. Now, I don't like to go interrupt speakers as they're getting ready, but right. I thought, I don't take the opportunity to at least introduce myself. I may not get that chance. So I walk up, I introduce myself, we connected. As soon as the event's over, she's in the back of the room. And again, no one's around her. So I went back up. I told her she did a great job. Uh, she shares with us that her flight got delayed. So she's actually going to be in town for a lot longer. So we took the opportunity to spend 30 minutes with her to get to know her everything about it. Well, we're now becoming friends. We're now talking to her about speaking at our event. We're looking at opportunities together, how we can add value. She could add value to us. I mean, like it's, we, we just overcomplicate. They're people just like us. Yep. And they want to build relationships just like us. And if we don't ever put it out there and make intentional uh, path to it, it will never happen. Do you, um, do you get the messages on Facebook or other forms of social media um, from, from your, you know, people that are just, you don't even know, but they just come at you with a, a, a business opportunity sure. <laughs> and, and, and do you start coaching them? <laughs> Cause I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Hey, what was your name first? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that happens. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I've learned so many things from that, that, uh, you know, we teach a method called bond that our people learn and, and implement that teaches people first how to build a, build a relationship first. And the D is develop an opportunity. So you build on a common interest, occupation exploration, like you've done with me today, learn what I'm doing, needs discovery, and then develop opportunity. And I tell people like, that's the, that's the path I do every time when I meet these influential people. And if you do it that way, it, the magic happens, the relationship gets built. But when you come in, Throwing that right hook, as Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, to close that sale on the first go. Like, people see it. They're smart. People are smart. They can sniff that out. Yeah. Um, there's just, I mean, I mean, you know, all the stats about follow up and all this. Like, it just, like, why? Why don't build the relationship and see what happens? Maybe it's even better than you went into it swinging for. Maybe there's a bigger opportunity, but you're not going to find that out if you go in swinging. I love that. So you, your list over there on the door that you were just pointing yeah. at, those are, are those just targets basically? I mean, is that, is that a way to. Or... So they're, they're names of people like, okay. so that they become visible to me and there's, yep. there's, 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 I kind of divide it up. So I have like 25 uh, speakers, yep. people who speak. Uh, then I have 25 bloggers, 25 podcasters, and then 25 business influencers that's kind of how I, this is how I segment it. Yeah. And then that allows me to create a running list. And sometimes, look, I reach out to people, I, I try to connect with them, and there's just nothing that happens. So it's like, okay, I kind of cross them off the list, and yeah. then I may come across somebody else and I add them to it. And, and um, you know, it's just a way for me. The reality is probably 99 of them I'll never connect with. Right. But I just need one relationship that changes everything for me. I mean, that, that people don't, I think that people need to really grasp that because, you know, it's odd, but I, I don't, I, I, I kind of do the same thing. I'll write, but I, I go through daily and I'll write down, you know, five people that I want to connect with. And, and, and I don't, again, for me, it's not about selling. It's about, you know, making the connection. There, there are plenty of people I'm connected to that I'll never do business with because there's just no fit. Right. There's, there's not a fit. 
So, you know, and uh, kind of like what you're saying. And and I want to wrap up here pretty soon, but let, let, let's talk a little bit about your books. What prompted you to write these books? And, and you only have two out right now. Is that right? So I have two, and I'm in the middle of writing a third, which I'm really excited about. So, And I didn't first, mean to say only, by the way. That's that's incredible. That's like two yeah. more than most people ever do. So, One, for me, like I, I, I'm just not good at writing, so I actually had to learn how to figure out how to write a book with, with yeah. not being writing. So so the first one's five plus one, which is the five business uh, disciplines and the one master skill, the master skill of building relationships. And I wrote that as a path because I'm realizing that I'm, I'm creating these successful businesses one after the other. And I thought there, there's a formula to this. It's doing the right things in the right order. And I'm going to share that with people. And so um, this is a book and, I, and you can even see my copy. I've spiral bound. I've got tabs because I refer to it all the time. Love that, man. And that's how it's meant to be used. And then I thought, OK, so if I become really good at business, I can only rise to the level of my own personal development. So I wrote the Now Make Good book as a commitment and an emotional and I write all these books for me. Like I'm writing them. If my team was going to read this, what do I want them to know? Right. Know that if they need it and I need it, probably others do too. And then about uh, six, eight months ago, my business mentor and friend now, the same one that was in that office building, he's written several best-selling books in a different industry. And he's a, he's a great guy. Loves to kind of be behind the scenes. Doesn't have to be out very visible. And he called me up. He'd been in Hawaii. He was on the beach having vacation. And he called me up and he said, I want to write a book. And I said, well, awesome. You know, we got this published company that we can help you do this. And he said, no, I want to write it with you. And I was just like, when your mentor calls you and says they want to write a book with you, you just say yes. Wow. Like, and he said, you know, last year you guys gave me an award as the person of influence in Master Networks. And he said, I've been thinking a lot about what does it mean to be a person of influence, a person of positive influence. And he said, I think that we people, everyone, everyone gets into business because they want to help people and be influential. But who's laid out a path on how to be influential? So we've undertaken this to look at a model of how successful people have influenced others. And what are the most influential people doing? And we believe there's a set of characteristics and skills and attitudes that they have. And we're creating a model for people that says, I can read this book and here's how I can go implement these tactics, these skills and attitudes to be a person of positive influence. So watch for that book coming out early next year. Wow, that is so exciting, man. You, you, you're incredible, dude. You're, you're, you're amazing. And, and so much wisdom for 40 years old. <laughs> I mean. Lots of mistakes. Yeah. Well, I'm 50. I think I've made a few more mistakes. But like you just got, you got a lot. You're a very smart guy and, and I love what you're doing. As I mentioned to you before, I, I have a uh, couple of friends here locally that I think we want to want to chat with you about the the Master Networks thing here in Columbus. So, um, but it, it, like before we end this, um, let's talk. Number one, how can everybody follow you? Where do they follow you? Yeah, so you can go to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just look up Chaz Wilson, C H A S W I L S O N. Um, you'll find us there. Uh, Master Networks. Um, my website, chaswilson.com. Um, I'm out on all those things. You know, follow me on any of those. And and what's uh, what's something I can do to help you? Well, thank you. Uh, I was going to ask you the same question, so I'm glad. That's always the question we ask. You know, how can we help? How can we add value? Um, you know, what we're looking for is 
people that we can help them grow their own network. Uh, people always say you got to network and build relationships. We show you how to do it, and we're the best at what we do, and we'll show you how to build a network, how to build it on relationships and education so that you become the superstar. So, Ken, if you know people that um, need to expand their influence, we have a whole team of people that help you do it, and we have a whole training program on how to do it, and we're the best at what we do. So I'm looking for people that want to grow their influence. I love that, man. I love it. I already have messages popping up on Facebook saying they sent you a friend request. So, <laughs> so um, and Greg Walker, is, uh, he's a speaker and an author, and he's a great guy. So, um, the, the, I see my phone in the corner lighting up too. So yeah, yeah, you're going to get some friend requests, Great. but, but the, um, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, I guess before we, we leave, are there any other parting words of wisdom that you would like to like to leave, leave the audience with? I think I would just reiterate, you know, we live in this world. I mean, my kids are, you know, my oldest is a sophomore in high school and, and, um, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at young people. And, and so here's how I look at life right now is that we have a duty and an obligation to help the next behind us. Because look, I have this business mentor that's in his seventies that I'm writing this book with, and he's helped me. He's giving me that hand up. Yeah. And I think we all have that obligation, but it first requires us to master the skills that it requires. And while I think technology is going to be obviously massively improved in the next 20 years, it will never replace relationships. It will never replace someone saying, I love you. It will never replace someone saying, I need your help. Those things will not be replaced. Yeah. So it is imperative as markets constrict, as recessions come again, whether it's your own personal recession, whatever that is, your network is what will support you uh, truly. And so the parting word I would have is, who do you need to get into a relationship with today? Who do you need to repair a relationship with today to build that structure around you that supports you, that you support, and that adds value to your life? And that would be my, my parting advice of just build your network, build your support system around you. There's technology is going to be there, but not people won't always be there. You got you to gotta go out and make that purposeful intention to add great people. Powerful, man. Very, very powerful. Thank you. Ken, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you for putting this podcast together to add such value to people's lives. It's 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 been great, dude. I really appreciate that. I I, I you know I don't, I don't think people realize how much work goes into this, and I do it for free. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I, but I love it. I and and here's the other thing. You know, the benefit to me is I've interviewed some amazing mega millionaire, very successful. Um, business owners, entrepreneurs, and people that have, it, dude, I've, I've, I've benefited. I've, I, I, I learned too. So I love it. I love it. So thank you for being on, bro. I, I, I really appreciate you. You're a good dude, and, and I'm, I'm glad you came on today. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you. And thank you to everybody on Facebook for sharing and all the thumbs up and the hearts and everything else. Thank you. Make sure you connect with, with Chaz and, and, Hey, if, if you guys need anything, let me know. Chaz, thanks a lot. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, my friend. All righty. Bye-bye.